0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Today, the South Australian State Director of Family Voice, David Delima, is joining us. Hello, David. Welcome back to 2020.
1: Well, it's good to hear you there, Neil.
0: David, some significant issues to comment on today. Let's start with Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister. Uh, He has, uh, and is apparently today about to announce, uh, that uh, he'll take a Religious Discrimination Act to the next election. Uh, Major change. Uh, What are your thoughts on that development?
1: Well, indeed, we are gearing up towards an election, um, probably May, but um, politics is, a week is a long, a short time I should say, in politics, and uh, there won't be much happening over the summer, so... It's time, I guess, for the major parties to, uh, to, to take their stand. And the coalition is promising to make some changes, which we think are most misguided. Uh, but uh, the ALP is promising even worse changes. So there will be uh, a, a difference between the two parties come next election.
0: So, David, this idea of a Religious Discrimination Act, this moves away from the idea of exemptions that have been the thing that have protected religious freedom. How do you think that might work?
1: Well, we'll have to see what the Prime Minister has on offer. It is certainly necessary for people of faith to have the freedom of faith, uh, whether it's meeting in in churches or synagogues or mosques or whatever it is, or running Institutions, be they primary, secondary, or tertiary, uh, we, we believe as a society in freedom of association, freedom of faith. These are mm-hmm. fundamental problems that are under attack, and so um, the, the proposal of government may well introduce some form of protection, but we'll have to wait and see. But the, the real issue is that the, the government's also saying that it will remove um, from those institutions the power to um, to. expel students now now this is solving a problem that doesn't really exist because as far as anyone's aware no no students have been expelled from school on the basis of of sexuality or sexual behavior you know we we want to deal pastorally with people who are struggling with those sorts of issues Um, but the the real fallout to that will be that the ability to teach and to uphold an ethos uh, will be under attack uh, so currently, if, if a Christian school, for example, wants to teach about male-female marriage as being God's ideal and that everything else is not according to his plan and purpose, um, there, is, there is no difficulty in law doing that, but that freedom would be removed. So it's really, it's really quite a sweeping proposal of the federal government, uh, assuming that that's what will still be there at the end of this day.
0: Interestingly, it looks to me as though the Prime Minister has carefully framed how he's going to present this because uh, the idea appears to be that he'll ensure that religious discrimination is treated as seriously as racial discrimination or sexual discrimination. So, in some sense, while people have thought of religious freedom as some sort of a lowly value that doesn't need to be valued, in fact, what the Prime Minister is doing is, it appears to me, to be elevating that uh, to these other levels, uh, like racial discrimination, sexual discrimination. That'll have its problems, but at least it elevates that to an important level,
1: David. Yes, it does indeed. Uh So uh, that in one sense is a good development because it recognises the role of religion and that uh, if you were to take away uh, the role particularly of Christian people in this nation who are providing hospice care and welfare and uh, shelter for the homeless and feeding the hungry, you'd simply collapse social welfare. And it's around 40% of students in uh, primary and secondary school who are in the in the church-based or Christian-based schools, so again, take that away, and and you would certainly create a big headache for government. Um, however, having said that, uh, on principle, we don't like this idea of anti-discrimination legislation, and and it's much met- much better for people to sort of work out their own differences um, according to their own capacity as thinking and 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 uh, wise human beings. You know, they say sticks and stones may break my bones but names will never hurt me you know we need to toughen up a little bit as society and stop trying to find legal remedies to all of our different problems.
0: David from what I can glean from press reports this morning the draft legislation would include a provision for the creation of a freedom of religion commissioner uh, and that would sit uh, within the Australian Human Rights Commission and uh, I've heard people Uh, commentating on this potential uh, over quite a long time now, the idea that if you've got a commissioner in place, uh, it might sound all well and good, but commissioners are often appointed by uh, whichever uh, party is in government and uh, according to ideologies, and that can create all sorts of problems for the future. Any thoughts on the creation of a freedom of religion commissioner?
1: Yes, this is also a problem because governments quite like to set up these institutions and they also quite like the idea of saying well we've we've implemented these institutions and we've appointed a commissioner and now we're stepping back because we wouldn't want to interfere with with the free flow of their work but that's exactly the problem you know we we believe in representative democracy and we believe believe in the accountability of the executive to the parliament which means at the end of the day that we can throw people out if we find their work to be unsatisfactory. We can't do that with these commissioners and with these, uh, the, these various institutions. So that's a problem. Um, it's also a problem that we keep trying to think that government can solve these problems. Um, so Ronald Reagan famously uttered those nine words, I'm from the government that I'm here to help. And he said that those are the most dangerous nine words in the English language. Um, We keep making government bigger, we keep relying on legal remedies, we're increasingly becoming a litigious society, Uh, we're increasingly uh, bringing matters before tribunals and commissions. We need to learn to to sort these things out uh, over a cup of coffee and sitting around uh, in an attitude of of mutual respect, but recognising that there are differences in society and we, we just have to live with the differences.
0: Well, 2019 is shaping as a very colourful year politically. Not only are there uh, elections like the New South Wales state election and then the federal election, probably in May, as you say, uh, but all of these things are going to create all sorts of uh, anxieties and controversies. There'll be lots to talk about, and I do note that the government is going to be seeking feedback on the draft legislation, so no doubt uh, Family Voice Australia will be, you know, be in there and making a prominent uh, submission.
1: Uh, yes, we will. Yep. We, will, we will indeed. Uh, it's going to be a busy year. In South Australia, we'll have uh, a full-term abortion bill being debated, probably prostitution, probably euthanasia being debated, and federally, as you say, not only the uh, sex discrimination matter but and, and religious freedom matter, but uh, also if there's a change of government, which is looking increasingly likely, Uh, we'll have uh, the Republican question suddenly uh, thrust upon us. So it will be a big year. It will be a big year. Let's
0: come to the other really important issue of today. And it appears as though the Prime Minister has quashed reports now that he would announce his government's recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital. This looked like it was going to be a foregone conclusion. It looked like it was going to be passed in a cabinet meeting on Tuesday night and then announced yesterday. But it appears now the Prime Minister's come out and, uh, and some are calling it a backflip. What are your thoughts on this, David?
1: Well, this relates, of course, to the recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. So that's what the uh, Israeli state wants, uh, and it's proper for every nation such as Australia to say, well, it's your country if you want that to be your capital. Uh, That's where we will put our embassy and we will fully endorse uh, what you want to do with your country. So I think it's an entirely proper course of action. Um, The Prime Minister has been... uh, possibly vacillating on the matter. We're sort of hearing different reports over these last um, two and three months now. Um, so I think the last thing he said was that, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know when we're good and ready, as it were. So I, I do think it's still going to come through, but um, there may have to be some negotiation behind the scenes because this is the most tricky matter. And you're probably aware, Neil, that for many years, the US Congress uh, persistently voted to recognise Jerusalem but no president would uh, would agree to uh, execute the decision um, of both political parties. Um, Donald Trump has come along now, and whatever people might think about his politics or his policies, he is a conviction politician, and he's taken a, a, a stand based on conviction in relation to the uh, Jerusalem embassy. Uh, and I think he's right to do that, and I think that we are right if we also go in that direction.
0: So all is not lost here. In fact, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, simply saying this is premature right now to discuss the issue... Uh, it had been anticipated that he'd make a decision that Australia would recognise Jerusalem as the capital and then sometime later, because of supposed cost issues, something in the vicinity of $200 million, which uh, some people would say is a delay stall tactic uh, in moving the embassy, but, but it's still on the agenda, but uh, at this point uh, you can not be too excited about it because uh, he's saying it's premature to discuss the issue right now, so so it's a matter of watch this space, more to come. Let's talk about Jerusalem continued though, because we're coming up to Christmas time. And of course, we talk about Jerusalem, Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus. Uh, Australian families have a connection to this Christmas narrative because, you know, we recognize Jesus Christ as Lord. Uh, what are your thoughts for the family at Christmas time?
1: Yes, well, the, the family is uh, something uppermost in our thinking, um, but not only the family, of course, the nation. Uh, and what is the nation, but some of its families. So we have a nation which has a very strong Christian heritage, and that comes through each Christmas. But it also comes through in relation to our recognition of Jerusalem uh, as the capital of Israel. Uh, Jerusalem, in one sense, is the center of the world, and that's where uh, Jesus ministered. Um, he visited the temple there. And the, the, the political announcement about his birth really occurred in Jerusalem, as you'll recall. When the wise men journeyed from the east following the star, they came to Jerusalem. Uh, that for them was the logical place to find the newborn king of the Jews. When they got there, uh, the King Herod said, well, that's my title, and uh, inquired and realized that not Jerusalem but Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah. So um, off they went uh, To Bethlehem and instead of obeying King Herod to come back and tell him where the newborn Messiah was, was to be located, uh, they slipped away being warned in a dream not to tell him because of course he had in mind to kill all the babies, uh, or to kill the baby and ended up killing possibly a couple of hundred of of boys there in Bethlehem. So uh, there's a lot to think about at Christmas and family, that's for
0: sure. There are lots of twists and there are lots of deeper things that take us below the surface of a children's story of a baby being born in the manger in fact this family we're talking joseph mary and the baby jesus as we talk christmas time this is the most famous family in the history of the whole world and there are a lot of things we learn from this family uh, things like the idea of family unity in a time when, uh, when when as we know from the biblical account things could very easily have gone astray and joseph could have put mary away quietly Mm. But he decided, uh, when uh, he'd you know had a vision in a dream, uh, that uh, he should maintain his integrity before God and to take Mary as uh, his wife, and uh, yeah. and so this family unity issue is a really powerful story and something we can glean from the uh, from this. You know, people call them the Holy Family: uh, yeah. Joseph, Mary,
1: and the baby Jesus. It is remarkable. Uh, we see marriage there at the heart because. They were engaged, and she tells him she's expecting a baby, but it's okay because it's from the Holy Spirit. And he simply didn't believe her. Why should he? Uh, But he could have had her stoned to death for adultery. But it says in Matthew's Gospel that he was a righteous man and had in mind quietly to separate from her because he did not wish to expose her to public disgrace. So there's this wonderful notion about him honoring her as an individual, even though everything was breaking down, but uh, he was comforted in a dream that God was in this, and therefore he should have no hesitation to take her. So we're seeing marriage and faithfulness and integrity, really, at the heart of the story. We're also seeing adoption, which is a bit of a dirty word in in modern thinking for some reason, and yet uh, there's Jesus adopted as the son of Joseph, and of course as Christians we anticipate our adoption as the sons of God. Now, I realise that adoption is a uh, hot potato. Many people have, uh, have trials and difficulties, but it is such a wonderful uh, pro-life alternative to abortion. And and, I'm, and I must mention abortion in this whole matter because we have the killing of the newborns—those 200 or so, whatever the number was—in Bethlehem. So, you know, I'd hate to spoil, spoil people's Christmas pudding, as it were. But uh, the Christmas story is one full of political incorrectness. Uh, the exaltation of adoption but also this whole pro-life issue coming through as well
0: It is a powerful story it's a story of a child born and in the eyes of people looking on uh, here was an illegitimate child Uh, In the years after Jesus' birth, here we have them uh, fleeing to Egypt and uh, you have this refugee status uh, of Jesus. Uh, There are a lot of dimensions to this Christmas story which relate very powerfully to the sorts of ethics that we might think about today. And especially, David, this idea that the saviour of the world was born in such humble circumstances uh, and that he appreciates poverty, he appreciates the refugee, he appreciates those who feel illegitimate. Uh, he is the one who relates so beautifully to us all.
1: It is remarkable. And then we've got the wise men coming in. Uh, we call them three wise men. We're not exactly sure how many there were. There were certainly three gifts, so it's not illogical to think about three wise men. But they were pagan astrologers uh, who the Jewish people would despise, and yet God is bringing them in. This is a prefigure of the day when the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all of humanity, and those who are not of Jewish um, heritage would still be able to come right in. So we've got the magi coming in, and we've also got the shepherds coming in, and we don't have any difficulty with shepherds in our modern world, but in the ancient Jewish context, those shepherds, they were regarded as, as thieves, as untrustworthy not allowed to give testimony in court because you couldn't trust them, because they were always out there looking after the sheep by night. You know, and looking after the sheep is a 24/7 enterprise, and so they had no opportunity to go to the temple for the washings and the and the giving of offerings and all that. So they were outside of the faith, as it were, and yet it was to those that the angels appeared. Let me read these words in Luke, if I can just briefly read. uh, the, The shepherds spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So there's an amazement here because those who were disqualified from giving testimony are suddenly so gripped by the revelation of God that they can't help but speak. So they're breaking through that glass ceiling, as it were, or that barrier upon them giving witness, and they're speaking, and they're amazing people. You'll recall, of course, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. You know, he can't just say, I'm the shepherd. He's got to say, I'm the good one, as if there could be such a thing. So here we once again see that those who are disqualified from, from participation in the faith, they're coming right in, and they're giving witness. So I think it's wonderful for families to reflect on that, but those two aspects, the the, the Magi being foreign pagan astrologers not belonging, but being qualified by the grace of God to come in. And the shepherds are disqualified from giving testimony. They're just impelled that they must speak. And so I trust that at Christmas time we will be bold and not allow people to tell us to be quiet. And increasingly Christians are being told to be quiet. Uh, but that we, like the shepherds, even if we're ostracized, will we'll say, no, we must speak about what we've seen and heard.
0: Well, David, great insights and really appreciate your insights uh, into those significant breaking news issues today. It gives us a bit of an idea, a context uh, to work with as we're making sense of what we're hearing in the mainstream media and what we're hearing from a Christian commentary view. And uh, wonderful thoughts, too, on the family at Christmas time. and honour to you, David DeLima, South Australian State Director for Family Voice Australia and, of course, uh, Charles Newington, who is our regular guest the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Uh, Wonderful connections, wonderful insights, great commentary every week. This will be our last opportunity 2018 and uh, we'll continue some great opportunities to have conversations like this into the new year. But David DeLima, uh, the happiest and holiest of Christmases for you and your family. Thanks so much for joining us today on 2020.